0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This edition of the Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NBA, NFL, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code believe—that's B L E A V—to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Today on the Patriots Report, it's Lawrence Owen of Believe in Colts. He's going to get us ready for New England, Indianapolis this Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Lawrence. Good to see you again. The Colts come into this game 3-4-1, and one, but it feels like they're kind of in the throes of a bit of a crisis right now. The big news at Indy, at least from an outsider's perspective, is they fired their offensive coordinator. How much of the, the offensive struggles that they've had are about Marcus Brady? How much of it is about the quarterback position? How much of it is about Frank Reich? What's the situation there?
1: That is a really good question because, you know, everywhere you go, uh, most of the people don't see the Marcus Brady firing as, you know, something that actually fixes anything. You know, the word scapegoat gets thrown around a lot uh, because obviously this is definitely a move that came down from up on high, right, or, you know. Mr. Ursae is probably looking for someone to take accountability for what has happened and transpired throughout this season, and I think Marcus Brady just got the short end of the stick at this point. It's a situation where now that the offensive coordinator is gone, Frank Reich's taking over those duties as well, which means now there's no excuses for him. You know, how how the Colts offense perform from this point on the rest of the season, he's going to have to now take accountability for it and, you know, take those actions at the end of the year. If the Colts do not improve, then there's an interesting question on the horizon about his job. So we'll see.
0: Well, that, that leads me to my next question. I'm glad you bring that up. I know Ursay gave a vote of confidence, and I'll you know I'll put up my quote fingers here when I say that this week to Reich and Chris Ballard. But at what point is he coaching for his job? I know they have the bye week in about a month. Could we see a situation, if the Colts keep sliding, that they make a change then at that point?
1: Well, Mr. Ursay is one of those guys where he's not going to – sell his guys under the bus during the season period end of story okay. you know it's just not something that he does he he okay. has a lot of respect for the guys underneath of them the people that he hired uh however the general feeling is if like i said if if things don't get turned around and start looking good he could be looking for a new job at the end of the season, mm-hmm. Ursay's never been the guy that fires a head coach or a GM mid season. Even back in 2011, you know, during the year where Pate Manning had the neck surgery and they went like had like four wins on the season or whatnot. You know, he 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 didn't even fire them uh, mid season at that point either. So I don't expect it at at this point. But there's definitely some tension, and there's def- definitely some warmth to seat sitting right now, in my opinion. Even though Jim you know, as you said, gave that vote of confidence to them. You just can't have, you just can't walk into a season the way they have with the expectations that they had and perform the way that they have and not expect to see someone answer for what has transpired.
0: All right. Let's kind of try to narrow it down here a little bit. I know a lot of the issues obviously started the quarterback position. So tell me what happened with Matt Ryan and what sort of quarterback will the fate will the Patriots be facing this Sunday in Sam Ellinger?
1: the The move from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger was there was two reasons for it. One, obviously, the turnovers was it, you you just can't have you can't lead the league in fumbles and interceptions both individually, and, and still expect to hold your position uh, as the starting quarterback. So they they moved on from him on that aspect. Now the reason why I think they went with Sam Ellinger and Instead of Nick Foles is because the Colts have had issues with their offensive line this year as well and because of that as partial reason why you know Matt had his struggles and the running game have had their struggles Sam provides a little bit of mobility more so than what say Nick Foles or Matt Ryan has I think that is one of the reasons why he was chosen uh, to take over that spot and if you go look at the game and the tape from this past Sunday against the commanders, I think it it, it shows that that was a pretty good, smart move. He, he did a pretty good job when it came to extending plays and, and getting the ball out to people by, you know, allowing his feet to give him a little bit of extra time to uh, find open receivers downfield.
0: We're not looking at a typical pocket quarterback here. with 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 the rookie Uh, he seems to be a little bit more mobile as you mentioned he seems to be a little bit more comfortable kind of on the run as opposed to where you know where, where where Ryan was does the game plan change dramatically with him back there is the playbook narrowed are they what what's what's the thought process there if you're the Colts moving forward here offensively how much do things change with him under center as opposed to Matt Ryan
1: Oh, I think quite a bit has changed. And you saw it this past game um, with with his mobility and his history through college at Texas. You know, uh, you see that there's a lot more RPOs put in. You see a lot of more naked bootlegs, things of that nature. Uh, just simple rollouts as well. You know, just getting him out of the pocket and and extending extending the field for him. Uh, he also obviously can run the football as well. The, que- the question is Marcus Brady, who was, who was terminated, he was that guy who was a big RPO kind of you know coordinator. That's what he, he based we expected that with Sam Ellinger. and now he's gone. and Frank Reich is now doing 100 of the game plans and all of that we're kind of interested to see what this is going to look like this Sunday against new England, because, you know, against the commanders, you did see some RPO. It started off a little conservative, which you expect when you have a guy taking snap under center for the first time in his career, you know, in the NFL, but then they kind of opened it up a little bit in the second half. Now we want to see what's going to happen this Sunday. Now that he's got a game under his belt, are they going to start the game off with it open Mm-hmm. Or are they going to continue because this is a Bill Belichick led defense? Are they going to keep it conservative in hopes that he doesn't make mistakes that this Bill Belichick defense obviously loves to try to force?
0: What's the latest on Jonathan Taylor in his ankle? As we That's sit a- here, I guess, on Wednesday afternoon, you know, obviously, you know, things can change and things can remain fluid over the course of the week. But right now, where does he stand?
1: I think he's sitting at about 80% with that ankle. They uh obviously some uh other big news, Naheem Hines, his backup was traded to the mm-hmm. uh your divisional rivals, the Buffalo Bills. We just signed a former running back in Jordan Wilkins, just not like an hour or so ago, back to the practice squad, someone that has had success uh behind this Colts offensive line. Not necessarily the line that it is now, but you know, uh <laughs> <laughs> From a couple years ago, he's a good running back. Obviously, we also have uh, Moss that we got in that trade for Hines, but Taylor sitting at about eighty percent. I expect him to play this yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Maybe on a pitch count, you know, maybe he'll only see ten to ten to sixteen snaps rather than you know twenty to thirty, which is really about what we've been seeing all year. Anyhow, with the fact that he's had. Uh, his his foot problems all year, it seems like.
0: You know, the old Bill Belichick routine, I'm going to try and take away your number one offensive option. I'm going to assume, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, that being said, if you're looking at the second and third offensive options, who are they right now in the Colts' offense?
1: Oh, without question, Michael Pittman Jr. is that number one receiving threat that the Colts have. Uh, every quarterback that's been back there, has relied upon him heavily. But the other receiving options have really started to open up a little bit. Obviously, the rookie uh, Alec Pierce has shown flashes of big playability downfield, uh, being he's 6'3", has incredible speed, especially off the line. And then Paris Campbell has been that guy, finally, now that he has been healthy, you know, past eight games in the season, he's showing flashes a big plays like catching a screen and going 50 or taking a reverse and going 30 40 you know he did both of those this past weekend and then the weeks before the two weeks before he led the team in in catches so i think offensively passing wise i believe that this this team is starting to open up a little bit you just got to make sure that the quarterback has time to get the ball out so but I still say that Pittman is that number two threat on this team. He's, he's kind of that leader out there in the wide receiver room.
0: What's been the problem with the offensive line? Has it been injury? Has it been matchups? Is it personnel? What, what's, the, what's the situation there?
1: Boy, if I knew that, I would be making <laughs> millions of dollars right now, okay? Because, wow, everybody in the state of Indiana is trying to figure this out, okay? Because it's not just one guy. Right. I mean, we're seeing all-pro Quentin Nelson having issues. We're seeing all-pro, you know, Ryan Kelly having problems, and and then obviously, you know, we've got two positions that are newly filled uh, at left tackle and right guard. The left tackle we have yet to figure out what's going on there. The right guard, I think we we placed the guy who used to be at left tackle at right guard now, and Matt Pryor and. He's doing better at right guard than left tackle, but that's not saying a whole lot, mm-hmm. right? So, that's that's a problem that we're we really need to fix. There's a lot of questions on why. Why has the, the coach over the last two years, Chris Strasser, the offensive line coach, still have a job? Why was Marcus Brady let go mm-hmm. and yet Strasser still has it? When this is obviously, you know, I mean, we're, we're looking at guys who have been performing great over years. And now they're not looking very good. What's, you know, so that's, that's something that a lot of us are trying to figure out. I, I, I wish I could pinpoint it and say, it's just this and this, but there's obviously something going on that is eluding a lot of people.
0: So help me out here. If I'm Bill Belichick and I'm facing a rookie quarterback in an ineffective offensive line, is this a recipe for extra pressure is this a dietrich wise matthew judon kind of afternoon for new england or are you trying to drop back you're trying to confuse the young you know the young quarterback what's the situation there if you're bill and you're trying to you know really trying to get after this this offense
1: if if i was bill belichick you know what bill does best is obviously attack uh the weakest point right that's that's what he does and right now, the weakest point is the offensive line and the inexperience of the quarterback, you definitely send your extra pressure, I think. I think this is a game where you send five at minimum mm-hmm. uh at least half the time and just get after him on a constant basis. Uh, yes, he's got some mobility, but uh you, you got to take the chances in, in that in that aspect. So Washington didn't send a whole lot of blitzes but they've got a pretty good, you know, defensive front four. So we'll see what happens uh this Sunday. I expect Bill to, to send blitzes
0: left and right. Let's flip this over to the defensive side of the ball. And you look at the numbers and this Indy team appears to be pretty stout on defense. Who's who's the guy or guys who are making that defense go? Uh
1: Well, uh, across the front line, uh, a guy who has absolutely stood out big time is Grover Stewart, the, the one tech defensive tackle. He's been good since he's came into the league but this this past year he has absolutely ate up double teams and made plays in the backfield right like play after play week after week him and and deforest buckner have been just an absolute stout duo there in the middle of the defensive line uh at the linebacker position with Darius Shaquille Leonard been out basically the entire year. Mm-hmm. Zaire Franklin has stepped in and has really—he's the special teams captain, but he's also a linebacker. He's came in and and performed very, very admirably. And then, of course, on the secondary, there's a couple guys that have really came in, veteran defensive players, and have been a- absolute standouts. Former Eagle. My co-host over on Believe in Colts, uh, Rodney McLeod, has came in and been an absolute stud. And then, of course, there's this cornerback that we have that some Patriots fans might know a l- little bit about. He's been pretty good, too, And Stephon Gilmore.
0: Stephon Gilmore. I love Stefan Gilmore. Stefan Gilmore is one of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room. You had to listen hard, mm-hmm. wasn't too loud. Wouldn't Mm-mm. wouldn't speak with a whole lot of volume, but but he really more than more often than not let us play due to talking. How's he look this year?
1: He looks fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. He doesn't get beat very often. He he makes good tackles. He's always around the ball, it seems like he's always able to get a hand. Even if he gets beat, like he got beat on that pass to Terry McLaurin uh, late in the fourth quarter in that game. And it looked like he had no chance to get there. He ended up getting there, not only getting there, but getting both hands on the ball while it was in the air, you know, and it was basically a 50-50 fight. And at that point, you know, you're going to take Terry over the the older, you know, Stephon to, to muscle it away, you know, down on the ground. But either way, I mean, he is doing a fantastic job of just getting out there, getting hands on the ball, tipping the ball knocking it away he's got himself a couple uh some turnovers and 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 tips that have allowed turnovers uh for other people so he's he's looking really really good I'm very impressed with how well he's looked at at his age and at this point in his career
0: give me one or two guys who we're not talking about who are maybe under the radar types who for whatever reason health matchup whatever the case may be have a chance to have a real impact on Sunday.
1: Oh, Paris Campbell by far is that guy uh, on the offense. People don't talk about him because he's been injured. You know, since he's came into the league, every every year either it's a PCL tear or a broken foot, a uh, broken bone in his foot, or something of that nature. He's been healthy this year and has been an absolute standout on this team. Another guy, uh, offensively at the tight end position, Kylan Granson. Keep an eye out on him. He's also been kind of that security blanket, that that guy that uh, quarterbacks liked with Jack Doyle mm-hmm. uh, back when he was with the team. It seems like they're kind of gravitating towards him on third down quite a bit as well. And of course, you know uh, Kylan Granson was the former high school teammate of the current starter in Sam Ellinger, so you know they 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 were they've been catching passes back and forth for a while. So keep an eye on that as well defensively there's a young safety another Rodney Rodney Thomas he's a rookie this year and since he's came out with Julian Blackman he was injured earlier this year and Rodney Thomas came in to to fill in for him as a rookie he's been playing he's been balling out very very good part of that reason why that this defense has been uh, as good as it has all season so he's he's very quick uh, able to to close, you know, the field uh, really really fast. He he looks like something might be open, but with his quickness and ability to to close up, nothing's really seems to be open when it's downfield and he's on the field. So uh, keep an eye on him as well,
0: Lawrence. I kind of have a question out of left field here a, a little oh. bit, and I, I'm I'm curious as a guy who's followed the Colts and a guy who's covered the Colts for an awful long time. From the outside, it feels like the ghost of Andrew Luck kind of hovers over the franchise a little bit. And the idea of a team that's had such real quarterback woes over the last couple of years, is there any talk at all out there about trying to, you know, figure out a way to bring him back and see if he's got anything left or, you know, kick the tires? Or what's that conversation like out there?
1: In in all honesty, I believe the last time anyone actually reached out to Andrew Luck was right after Philip Rivers retired. If I remember correctly, Jim Mersey reached out and asked, and he was told no. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I believe in general, not just the – colts but their fans and everybody have put andrew luck finally behind them mainly because they don't want to keep that hope alive you know they don't they don't want that false hope that's always sitting there they want to move on find that quarterback of the future now know, we we all wish and hope andrew luck the best in his life but uh no one's i don't think anybody is holding out hope that he's going to come back and play football
0: it's funny, every so often I see his name trending on Twitter mm-hmm. and I'll go click on it. And some of it's, you know, disgruntled Colts fans hoping it'll come back. And some of it's just general conversation. He's a guy who he intrigued me as a player because he's just a unique kind of player and just he, he seemed curious and I just think it's interesting given the way things ended for him and given the relative instability at the position the Colts have had over the last few years if there's ever been any sort of conversation but it sounds like no no
1: not 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 in the last two years not since Philip Rivers retired no I don't think there has been too much
0: what's the path here to victory for for Indy on Sunday what are the two or three things they absolutely have to do if they want to come into Gillette Stadium and pull off the upset well
1: on offense they can't turn the football over uh that's that's number one uh ball security don't fumble it don't throw interceptions don't give the the Patriots any extra chances to to put points on the board the Colts—that's—that's that's been their Achilles heel all year. You know, they're able to move the football. It's just they turn the ball over in the red zone or something, and and there's a ten point swing or whatnot. You know, just from one turnover. Uh, so offensively, I think that's that's a massive key. I think on defense, getting pressure up the middle, whether it's against the run or just getting pressure on whoever's sitting at quarterback. I'm gonna assume it's Mac Jones, yeah, uh, rather than Zappy. But yeah, I think getting pressure up the middle to create problems, whether it's handi- whether it's when the ball's being handed off to the running back, or whether it's uh, Max stepping back into the pocket, I think that's those. Those are the two keys: is getting pressure up the middle and not turning the football over.
0: Well, it feels like that is going to be one of. And look, you know, we both know games are won and lost up front, but the idea of the Colts' defensive line figuring out a way to slow Stevenson. And mm-hmm. also we talked about soft spots in the Indianapolis offensive line. I'm going to be intrigued. I don't think he's going to be able to play. But again, as we sit here on Wednesday afternoon, David Andrews missed last week's game with a concussion. And there was a significant drop-off for the Patriots under center. It wasn't the only reason that Mac was sacked as many times as he was against the Jets, but I don't think it was completely coincidental. So I think if Indianapolis is able to generate some pressure up the middle and David Andrews isn't there, I'm going to be fascinated to see how the Patriots try and deal with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's something that I was noticing as well when I was watching the the Jets game and, you know, seeing how well our both of our defensive tackles, our starting defensive tackles, have played this year. It just it it seems like you know obvious. This is this has got to be part of the game plan to find ways to getting a one on one matchup with our defensive tackles versus, you know, some of the interior offensive linemen.
0: Lawrence, this has been great, man. Thank you so much. You've given us an awful lot to think about. Let people know where they can hear you, where they can read your stuff, and where they can follow you on social media.
1: Oh, uh, You can find me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Colts underscore law. Uh, you can listen to my podcast with myself, Gerard Powers, and Rodney McLeod on the Believe in Colts podcast anywhere you listen to uh, audio podcasts. And then, of course, I am on YouTube as well, Lawrence Owen. Uh, you can type in Lawrence Owen, believe in Colts, Colts Law. It's just so easy to find me wherever you look.
0: Sounds good, bud. Take care. And hopefully, we'll talk again real soon. Pleasure being here. Good luck. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder this episode has been brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE that's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a 5-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.